Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our consideration is our gospel lesson. I want to read the last few verses as we consider this text, starting in verse 19. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son and for the sacrifice he paid for us on the cross, but giving to us what he won through the sacrament, that gracious forgiveness of all of our sins. Lord Jesus, help us to ponder how great this is this evening, the pain and the suffering that your son is to endure for us on that cross and to rise again, defeating death, sin, all of that for us so that we may have life eternal with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, I think many of us know who Dave Ramsey is. Many of us probably went through a financial peace class maybe. Many of us probably even know some of the steps that he has to offer. One of those first steps is, you know, you have to save $1,000 for an emergency fund. And then you could start doing that snowball method to pay off your least amount of debt, your debt, and then pay off the bigger ones as it keeps going. And then after you get out of debt, he has steps for investing and buying houses and all those things. But one of the things that a lot of the younger people like myself would forget to do, which he talks about a lot on his radio program, is that you want to have a will. It is important for you to have a will especially if you paid off your debt and started saving. And now you have something to give to people if you die, even if maybe if you have a house and some money. And when you write that will, you're going to want to be as specific and clear as possible. You're not going to want to write in figurative language, allegorical language. You're going to be as black and white as possible so that when you go, the people left behind aren't going to be curious as to what you meant, what is going where, who is getting what. But you're going to be try to be as clear as possible so that someone comes and reads your will and say, oh, he doesn't want us to have this. He's just telling us what he has. That wouldn't make a lot of sense. We want to be as clear as possible. Our gospel lesson is Christ Jesus' last will and testament. Before he's going to the cross, he's giving the apostles, the leaders of the church that is going to be, he's giving them what they are to do when he leaves and how they are to be united together as the church in Christ's blood. So Jesus is going to try to be as clear as possible in what he says here. And if you look at the first verse, in verse 7, it says, 
Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed, or it was necessary that this lamb be sacrificed. Already, Jesus is setting the context into the history of God's people. The Passover. This is happening on the Passover. As we read in our Old Testament lesson, Jeremiah stated that, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the old that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. That Passover, Israel in Egypt, for 400 years, getting a new Pharaoh, forgetting who Joseph is, and then being harsh on Israel, and then Israel crying out for God, for help, because of their harsh treatment. God hears their cries. He listens to them and shows them great wonders and miracles. And then come the plagues onto Egypt. For Egypt to know who the true God is and for Pharaoh to let Israel go, God's people. And then there's that last plague where they were to sacrifice that lamb and put the blood on the doorposts. So when the angel would come, they would pass over and not lose their firstborn. But could you imagine what you would hear that night with the houses that did not have the blood on their doorposts, their Egyptian neighbors, and whoever else may have not had that blood on their doorposts, the screams and the cries for mercy, their firstborn, gone, not protected by that blood of the lamb. But then it says in that text in Jeremiah that they had broken this great covenant that God had made with them. He brought them out of the land of Egypt with these great signs and wonders, led them to the promised land. But they were still sinning, turning their back on God, wanting to follow the ways of the nations instead of being faithful to the Lord and to his law that he had, they had eventually received from Moses on Mount Sinai. They'd broken that covenant. Sometimes we treat the cross like that. I hear people say, don't you hear what pastor says? I can live however I want. I had to go to church on Sunday and then I'm good. But by saying that, we're saying we don't need that blood of the lamb on our doorposts. And when we don't have that, we are in danger of that angel not passing over us and spending eternal life separated from the God who came to save us. It's quite what like the Apostle Paul says in Romans. Are we to sin more because God is gracious? By no means. He saved us to live faithfully to him, 
not to sin more. But why does that happen sometimes? You think back at that night of the first Passover, you're hearing the screams and the cries. They must have been fearful. But they know that they were saved by that blood on those doorposts. But then, as their life continued on, that fear of God slipped away towards attentions, to what's immediately surrounding them, the things that they can see, the nations around them, their, the culture, whatever it may be. And it's like us as well. Sometimes our fear of the Lord slips away for things of this world. What may harm us here in this world? What might kill us here and now? And so we start putting all of our attention and focus into this world and away from God. To, to the point that we almost stop thinking about him, stop talking to him, stop praising and thanking him for what he's done for us, and ultimately stop thinking about our sin and the dangers that our sin can cause to us. Jesus here is reminding us and is trying to make clear his last will and testament. In the context of the Passover, they had a real lamb that was sacrificed and God mandated. It's Maundy Thursday, it's Latin. Maundy, mandate. Every year they were to celebrate God's gracious act. God's gracious acts, act toward them and saving them and bring them out of the land of Egypt. And so they would. They would have these constant sacrifices for their sins. And they would celebrate that. And they would prepare a meal and eat that sacrifice. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is our Passover. He is the Lamb whose blood covers us so that when eternal death comes looking for us, it is passed over because we are protected in Christ's blood. We have the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, your sin, the sins of all the world. It's interesting when he says here, and he took the bread and he broke it. That Greek word there, klao, or kateklao, having been broken. It's the same word that we see in Acts chapter 2 when you see the disciples devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the prayers, and to the breaking of bread. Luke, by the way, wrote both of these books, Luke and Acts. He uses the same word there, klao. And again in Acts chapter 20, when, the Paul, when Paul is going through his churches, and at every, the beginning of every week, and every week, they would break bread. And he uses that word, klao. Every, the first of every week, they would do this. Only one meal does the Lord Jesus tell us to have it repeated. And it is Holy Communion. 
And Paul was doing it every Sunday in the early church. They would break bread, Holy Communion. Not only that, but our Lutheran confessions and the Augsburg Confessions states that that the church on every Lord's Day celebrates the Holy Supper and on every high festival. Why? Because it is the most precious gift that we can have. I didn't grow up Lutheran. I grew up a Baptist where the Holy Supper was something that did not give you anything. It was just a memory of what Christ did. But it didn't give you Christ's body and blood, nor did it give you the forgiveness of sins. It was empty. You got to remember that's part of it. But there's more to it. The Passover. Remember in the context, there was a real lamb. They ate that lamb. Christ says, this is my body given for you. Christ's body is present here in the elements. He is the Passover lamb. Remember when he broke that bread in the wilderness and gave it to all those thousands there? He works a miracle here for us too by being present with us in the elements, giving us the forgiveness we so dearly need each and every week. And as a pastor who is bound to the scriptures and the Lutheran confessions, this has been on my mind where as a pastor of pilgrim and faith, I want to make that available to all every week. How that looks yet, I don't know, but it will be available each week. The early church did it. Our confessions state it. And why wouldn't we? Jesus is offering you the most precious gift you could ever receive. And there's no doubt that you receive it. You can see it. You can taste it. It's on your lips. You are forgiven. There's no greater thing. In my Baptist world, it's constantly living in a circle. Am I forgiven? Did I do enough? In our world, Christ comes to you with his body and blood. Are you wondering if you are forgiven? Do you doubt that you are forgiven? Come to the altar. Hear the words. See his body and blood and receive them for your forgiveness. This is what Christ left for the apostles here to continue on in the church. It's what unites us as a church, as a body in Christ. And forgives us all of our sins. Amen. Please rise for the blessing. Now may the grace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep and guard your hearts in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.